and welcome back to the ADHD Friendly Podcast. I'm Patty Blinderman, your host of all things ADHD Friendly. This is episode six, and today I'm going to be talking about interest and how with ADHD brain wiring, interest is not an option, it's essential. So I want to dive in by sharing the inspiration for me of what I'm about to share with you. And it comes from Dr. William Dotson. And I heard Dr. Dotson speak a number of years ago at a conference and he shared his acronym for interest. And he talks about how his acronym, which he calls ICNUP, I-C-N-U-P, is really the key to getting your brain engaged when it isn't interested in the task at hand. Everything can be done if we find a way to inject interest to get your brain fired up so that it can get engaged to get started. So I'm going to break down what the acronym stands for and share some examples of how I've used it to help my brain to be more engaged when it's not interested in the task or the conversation or the activity at hand. So ICNUP stands for, the I stands for interest. Everything goes through interest. All of the examples after this also tie to interest, but I always starts and begins with interest. C stands for challenge or competition, as I like to say. Novelty stands for new or novel, or I'm sorry, N stands for new or novel. Um, U stands for urgency. And Dr. Dotson says the P is for passion. He says sometimes passion. We can't always find a way to bring passion in, but when we can, it's very effective at engaging our brain in an activity when we maybe don't have inherent interest in it. So let's talk a little bit about these. In order to get the juices flow, like I said, we need interest. So we need to look for strategies to inject interest because what is interesting today may not be interesting tomorrow. I always share, I, I write with a different color pen every week because I can't tolerate the same color for more than a week at a time. It's just not interesting to my brain. I resist picking up a pen and writing and because I need to do a lot of writing, I need to keep it interesting. So I have a lot of different colors of pens that I use and I change them out every week. So that's an example of creating some interest. The C for challenge or competition, look for ways to make it a challenge. Maybe you can race someone to see who finishes first. Um, see if you can do something before watching TV or going on social media. Or see, I, I like to see if I turn the radio on, if there's a song playing and I have to like empty the dishwasher or it's always my example of a task that I find mind numbingly boring. I try to race myself and see if I can finish before the song ends. So that's just an example of challenge or competition. Novelty, look for new ways of doing things. It might be a different way home or just, you know, kind of 
trying something different, maybe a different, like, like for me with my pens, a different color of something, but also remember novelty wears off. So again, like my pen example, the color is sparkly on Monday, but by Friday, it's starting to get a little dull. And by Monday I need a new color. So novelty is great, but just keep in mind that it does wear off. So if you get a sparkly new, like, like a new shampoo or a new towel or something to sparkle up the shower, it will work for a little bit of time, but it will eventually wear off. So we always have to look for ways to inject more novelty. Urgency, we create just like it sounds, um, maybe something like a deadline on a calendar can create some urgency, or maybe you're trying to get your house cleaned and you keep intending to, but it isn't until company is going to arrive in an hour that you're actually getting up and dusting or vacuuming because that urgency gets you into action. And then again, P, sometimes passion. So if there's something that you're passionate about, something you're eager to get up and do every day, that could be a place to target if you need to create some interest. One of my passions, my biggest passions is love of learning. So if I don't want to do something, but there's something I can learn from it, I try to look at it for that lens. And that's actually the example I'm going to share with you here. So my love of sports is not very strong, kind of low. I don't, I, I never, when I was growing up, I didn't like sports. If anything, I thought they were so boring. I don't want to say I, I, I just really didn't like them. And I married somebody that really does like sports. Um, on our wedding night, we watched the Chicago Bulls win the world championships. On our honeymoon, we went to Boston and I saw my first Red Sox game at Fenway Park. And that was the first time I realized I needed to find something. I find, and I apologize to anybody out there that loves baseball, I don't. I find it a really, really painfully slow sport and it doesn't have a set ending point, which I don't do well with because I, I don't know how long I have to tolerate it for. And so because I was so painfully bored, um, I found myself pleasantly distracted by the rituals that some of the baseball players had when they got up to bat. They would do the same thing over each time they were getting ready for a pitch. And there was one player in particular, his name was Nomar Garcia Para, and I still remember his name. He had the best rituals. Oh my gosh, I could watch him all day. I found it fascinating the way that he would get up and he would adjust the straps on his um, wrist and he would touch his cat. Like he just did this, this series of things over and over every time he was getting ready for a pitch. I was hooked. That had me fascinated. I was looking for how, you know, I, I learned how long it would be until he was coming back up to have another turn at bat. I really got more into the game because I was more interested in the rituals. It was just my way into something that I did not find interesting. I learned that again, when I started going to hockey games in person, again, I, I I'm a huge hockey fan. Now I was not a huge hockey fan when I was married. And then the Carolina hurricanes, I was living in North Carolina and the Carolina hurricanes came down to Raleigh. And my husband grew up in Connecticut. This was his Hartford Whalers. So it was already his favorite team. He was so excited, went to the game. It is definitely more interesting than baseball in person, but I didn't understand the game. I had a hard time holding my focus because I didn't understand the whole um, icing and offsides and all of the things that were happening. I found it really hard to keep up with. And so I, I tended to get bored, but their goalie, the Carolina hurricanes had a goalie 
his name was Archer's Herbe, and he had the best rituals that once I realized that he had a ritual, I would like want to get to the stadium early because I didn't want to miss it. I didn't want to miss watching him clear the front of the ice after the Zamboni went and cleared the ice. He would go and, and do, you know, back and forth in front of the, the goal crease so many times and then turn the other way and go the other way, back and forth, back and forth. And it was just mesmerizing watching him. And that was my new thing. And then I would realize other players had certain rituals. So I would just get there early and start watching them. And then I started to learn who the players were and I started to get more interested. And again, the rituals were my way in my love of learning and understanding the, the, the different reasons why they did this and who did what it just fascinated my brain and it caught my interest and it got me into learning about the game. So remember our brains are wired for interest for ADHD brain wiring Boredom is the same to our brain as kryptonite is to Superman. We cannot tolerate it. So we have to look for ways to create some interest when we're experiencing boredom or we anticipate that we're going to be bored. So for me, rituals were a way to create some interest and just always keeping in mind that interest can be injected, even in places where it seems like there's no way that something can be made interesting. And I'm gonna share one other quick story about that. So I, I call this my poop scoop challenge story. And here, my story is that we moved from North Carolina to Illinois a few years ago, and we have three dogs and one of them is a larger dog. So in the winter, when we had our first good snowfall, I noticed, you know, we didn't really go out and scoop any more poop from the dogs off the, off the lawn because we couldn't see the lawn. It would just you know, magically go into the snow and it seemed like it was gone out of sight, out of mind. It was no longer there. Didn't have to think about it. After everything melted in the spring though, it was pretty obvious that we needed to get out there and scoop some poop, but nobody wanted to go out and scoop. I didn't want to go out and scoop. They didn't want to go out and scoop. It was a mess. So I really got my brain engaged trying to think, what could I do to make some interest here? How can I support some family members who might, you know, not be interested at all? And this is that kryptonite, you know, the boring, the, the resistance was really strong. So I came up with my poop scoop challenge. And what we did was I have the little um, scoop and the little break. And I had enough for each of my kids to go out and scoop with. I gave them each a plastic kitchen trash bag and I brought out a scale. And the challenge was whoever got the most pounds of poop won. And I had, you know, first, second, third place, place prizes. So you had to get, I can't remember now, but I, I want to say you had to get like a, a couple of pounds of poop to even be in the running. So everybody had to participate because I had kids with different levels of engagement, different tolerance for how long they could keep the activity up, but everybody was engaged. Everybody was interested. We're not thinking about scooping poop anymore. It was all about, I created interest because I made it different. I created novelty because we were, we were doing it together and it was in a different way. It wasn't me just saying, go and do that chore. It was a different way of approaching it. I created challenge and competition because I literally made it a competition. I created urgency because you're racing everybody else to see who can get the most poop. It was like an Easter egg hunt 
but it was dog poop instead. And passion, which was my love of learning, like figuring out like, how can we do this in a way that gets us engaged, that doesn't feel like a chore. And it was fun. It was engaging. It was a completely different way of approaching a task that ordinarily would be really low energy, low interest, and nobody would want to do it. So I always share that story as an example of how we can turn anything, no matter how mundane, boring, into something that's interesting. If we use the ICNUP tool, I-C-N-U-P. So if I can make scooping poop interesting, anything can be made more sparkly. So where do you need to inject some interest to get your brain engaged so you can begin doing something that maybe you don't find as interesting as you need to, to get started? Use ICNUP, notice what works. I'm a big fan of menus. And by that, I mean making lists in the form of menus. So I have an ICNUP, I-C-N-U-P menu that I keep adding strategies to. So I have strategies under interest. I have strategies under challenge. I have strategies under new and novel because different things work at different times. And I need a menu, if you will, of options to go back and pull from. I'm just sharing that idea. If it's sparkly to you to start writing down what works for you, where have you used maybe a strategy tied to the ICNUP in other areas that you might be able to take and bring into a different area that you need to create some interest in order to be able to do it and get it checked off. So that's all for this week's podcast on how we can use Dr. William Dotson's ICNUP acronym to support our brains, to create some interest so we can get started more easily. Thanks again for your time, your focus, and your attention as I shared some tips on how you can support your brain to maybe make things a little bit more interesting so you can make it more ADHD friendly. Until next time, here's hoping your day is a little more ADHD friendly. Tally ho. 